Hello and welcome to the Lava Tops Podcast with Jimmy, Remy and Maya. This week we're talking about pub snacks, the delectable little salty lunchables that you can sort of tiddle on and that just essentially make you thirstier and make you spend more money at the pub. I think there's a business idea there. How is everyone? You, you alright Maya? What's going on? Yeah, I'm all right. I got a bit wine drunk last night watching the television alone while Remy was at the pub. So I'm feeling a little bit sheepish, which is probably good because that's the situation in which I do eat a lot of pub snacks when I'm feeling quite hungover. When we go to the pub, I have to eat a lot of snacks. So I've I've basically done it on purpose. I, I planned it all out, really. Looking forward to drinking some beers. I like the categories that we have today. Got some of my favourite drinks so i'm i'm excited how about you jim not been up to too much in the old beer drinking world i've literally just rushed back home i've just come back from the pub actually went and had a nice pint of landlord just to ease me into these tasty pub snacks but yeah apart from that haven't been doing anything too debauched after our last pod which depending on how chronologically maya sends these out slash you listen to them was the ales episode i actually drank shed loads of ale over the weekend all different types tried a few different badges as Remy would say just to try and a bit of variety which was really good it was nice sounds nice what Uh, about you last night I went to the pub with some work uh, colleagues friends if you will I drank seven pints of landlord oh nicely done it's to be honest it was kept very well it was delightful i hadn't had a pint landlord for a while really enjoyed it um but this morning i did feel a little bit ginger don't so, you always feel a yeah, little I was bit ginger say, you always feel ginger yeah so i felt a little bit dodgy earlier but you know i think like maya it's actually made me more excited to eat this absolute shit we're about to episode going along with our favorite pub snacks we've got three criteria for beers that we will be drinking the first is a classic lager each of us has chosen a classic lager to consume we don't know what everyone's picked so we'll be discussing a little bit about each beer so yeah first one is classic lager then we will be going on to something you'd see in a pub and maybe you try because we want to replicate you know what people might be out and about at a pub having snacks yeah for. you see it on and you think oh do you know what i'm gonna give that a go and then to bring us home final one will be our classic favorite our go-to in the pub so if we're starting with our classic lagers i actually broke the rules well not Ooh. broke the rules i did not go with a classic lager it's a lager i've got curious brew from Curious Brewing, just because I think it's really good. I've actually never had that, and I always see it. I've got a crate of it sat under my desk in the office for special occasions. So, obviously, it's made by Chapel Down, which is an <laughs> English winery. They do make several beers. They make a Curious Brew, they make an IPA, they make a porter, and they make a cider. Now, I will say, if I gave this to you, and I didn't tell you it was a lager, you wouldn't, and especially if I said it was called Curious Brew, you wouldn't think it was a lager. But it is packed full of flavour, and it's really, really nice. And it's meant to have, like champagne yeast in it oh okay but yeah it's pretty tasty i don't know if you'd want to have loads and loads and loads of it because i think it would give you a bit of a headache it's only 4.7 percent. sounds delicious it is delicious remy would you like to explain your choice i've got cronenborg 1664 because if i was in a pub and there were the generic stereotypical lager beers on i'd probably have that or heineken and we already had loads <laughs> and, you in. Had, and you had a load of Cronenbergs, and I happen to have shitloads of Cronenbergs, so I didn't want to go out and buy any Heineken. Uh, But I do quite like it. We've banged on about it before in another episode, so I don't want to kill anyone with it. But yeah, I like it. It's tasty, it's refreshing. Yeah, it's nice. 
yeah, and and I've gone for Amstel, and I was forced to do some research. So if uh, everyone would now like to listen to my uh, my my facts about Amstel, read I've, from the Amstel website that I have gathered painstakingly over the past week since our last record. So Amstel is named after the Amstel River, and it was founded by three founders in 1870, two of which were brothers-in-law. It was originally only drunk in Amsterdam. And the expansion to being consumed outside of Amsterdam completely coincided with the expansion of the Dutch rail network. That is fascinating. It began to be exported to the UK in 1883. And in 1926, Amstel accounted for a third of all the Dutch beer exports. Remy, you have been usurped. I just... 1883 exported to the UK. That's unbelievable. And on to the snacks, because I am really, really hungry. Should we start with pork scratchings? Oh, Yeah, yeah I, I okay. like a nice pork scratching. Let's have that. What, what have brand? you gone for? Oh, yeah, porkies, Mr. Porkies. We've Mr. gone porkies, for Mr. Porkies yeah. as well. Yeah, The nation's favourite, apparently. So I'm not a huge pork scratching fan. I was raised a vegetarian. I do eat meat now. Obviously, I'm eating pork scratchings. I just feel like they're a bit of a danger snack. I'm just one pork scratching away from breaking my tooth at all times. The drunk you are, the better they taste, is my attitude. And the hair really freaks me out. I've got a couple of facts about pork scratchings, you know. It's pork rind, so basically it's the skin. According to hairybarsnacks.com, they reckon that pork scratchings originated in the 1880s somewhere in the West Midlands, specifically the Black Country. I can believe that. Apparently, it originates from quite poor families who kept pigs, and then when they killed the pig, they really needed to max out the amount of food they got out of it. So that's why they ended up making pork scratchings, so they didn't, the skin didn't go to waste. Apparently, you can get them warm in some butchers. I was reading somewhere, but I've never seen that. And onto the hair. Surely they're not crispy if they're warm. Well, no, because they've just come out of the fryer. You know, you flavour them up or whatever, and then you fry them in, in you pork You flavour them with salt and MSG. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, you fry them, and then you flavour them with the, the salt and all that kind of stuff. But apparently they use, they use some sort of burning kit to get rid of the hair, but it's not 100% effective. Right. So that's why you get the, uh, the, the outliers. I mean, I love a pork scratching. Oh, see, the th- I went through a, a phase, shall we call it, where I got quite into pork scratching, you know, and I kind of really developed a taste for them. I've kind of gone the other way again now, and I'm a bit repulsed by them, to be perfectly honest. Again, I think they serve a <laughs> I purpose. I them. Yeah. I think if you've... They're very salty. They're very filling because of what they are. So if you're Marvin in a pub, and you've had three beers, and therefore you'll literally eat anything, they're much better than going for a packet of crisps, for example. But I would never eat them sober. Um, until now. Yeah, I would never get a meal deal and be like, oh, I'll have a ham and cheese sandwich and a bag of pork scratchings, please. So just looking on the back of this in regards to the nutritional information. What hops are they use? (laughs) (laughs) Per half a bag of this. So this is a 65 gram bag and it seems to suggest that half a bag is a serving, which feels like quite a high serving. That's got one over one gram of salt and it's 210 calories. Which, for something that's just pork fat, you know, that's kind of fair well, enough. Well, it's skin, isn't it? It's not, it's not just fat. You get the bit of the fat as well. You get a little bit of the fat, yeah. As a, as a snack goes, obviously, they're nice and salty and, and crunchy. A bit too crunchy sometimes. I think they're probably more suited to the winter than maybe the summer. I don't Maybe that's reading into it a bit too much, but in my head. I see what you're saying, yeah, absolutely. They're the sort of thing, if, you're, if it's miserable weather outside, you've come in from a long walk or something and you're hunkered down. A bit like our chat last time about having a pint of ale you know you're you're hunkering down with this in the corner of a pub 
with your jacket still on, kind of steam's coming off you near the fire and you're having a bag of pork scratchings. Mm. I mean, one thing I don't particularly approve of is brands like Snuffling Pig, which do great pork-related snacks, are basically, you know, they're trying to turn the, the humble pork scratching into something that it isn't, which is fancy food. I mean, if you see their stuff, they do quite, ooh, pork scratchings flavoured with lime and coriander or something. It's like, no, it's just a pork scratching. It's literally pig skin. Stop trying to make this into a fancy gourmet snack. Interesting, you you mentioned the uh, supposed, well, the potential gentrification, if you will. That was the phrase I should have used, yes. Yeah, I have noticed that a lot over the past sort of like five years. And I think it actually started, and we'll go on to this, with like biltong and jerky. Yeah. And a lot of those providers have then gone on to pork scratchings. So who did you mention? Which was the Snuffling pig. Yeah, and then also Mr. Pig. Some yeah, Mr. is it Mr. Pig or Mr. Piggies or something? Yeah, I know. Yeah, something like that. And yeah, I mean, I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest. I, in all fairness, I haven't tried one of the wackier flavours, but I am also a bit like, fuck off, this should only cost me a pound for a bag, not But also, they, they serve a purpose, don't they? As far as I'm concerned, people are only eating these whilst also having a beer. Which does make me think, how many packets of Mr. Porkies get sold by Well, for example, I... Well, Oh, did you get yours in the beer aisle on one of the little dispensers? No, ours was in the snack aisle. Did they did, did they do like six packs of them? Like you know, buy a family pack of pork scratchings, <laughs> multi packs. I didn't notice any of that, but weirdly, ours were kind of opposite the posh crisps. You know, like Tyrrells and things like that. So I don't know whether they're trying to I don't know force the pork scratching to to go into a premium product world. Mm, not for me. I mean, they're okay. They're 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 I wouldn't be, you know, I won't not eat them if I've had a drink. I'll caveat. I, I probably, I'm not going to eat many more of these now. I'm not hungry enough or drunk but, enough. But you're glad you had that pint of landlord before you came. Yeah. No, fair enough. And the general eating experience, I mean, I quite enjoy them, but I do think after a while they can definitely get a bit much because they kind of coat your mouth. Yeah, they, I can't they, you, really you end up with it. bits everywhere. Yeah. They kind of catch at the back of your throat. Mm. And the texture is pretty unique because they're so crunchy and then you'll hit a bit of fat and it's like like suddenly you're eating a bit of marshmallow and then your brain just yeah. kind of goes, oh. What is that? Oh, I like that? that bit. Yeah, you're, yeah but you're, you're, you're a weirdo. An, you're a complete animal. <laughs> you'll so, eat weird, weird meat products. So I don't trust you on you any eat, meat products. You eat a lot of offal. So you yeah. can keep your thoughts to yourself. Well, it is awfully good. <laughs> From Remy, because he says it on a very regular basis. It's oh, right, a classic. Okay. You can't you can't get rid of that. So, quick review then. Maya, pork scratchings out of 10. Talk to me. I'm going to give pork scratchings a 4 out of 10. Okay. It's a 5 from me. I'm guessing we're going to go a bit higher here from Remy. No, I'm going to give it a, a 6. Oh, okay. Oh. He's saving himself. I, I quite like them. I genuinely do, but I they get a bit much. Yeah. They, um, yeah. You know. I don't want to eat a whole bag of those. I don't enjoy eating them because they're so hard. <laughs> Sounds a bit rude. <laughs> Add that to the the library, the ever-growing innuendo library that Maya spouts. We've had quite a lot, haven't we? Mm. Okay, what do we want to eat next then? Anyone let's go classic and let's go crisps. Okay, crisps. Jim, what have you got, mate? I, I've gone the, the ultimate classic and very boring and gone Walker's Ready Salted because... They will probably be in every pub in England. You know, you yeah. Can, there's nothing special about them. They're just the bog standard ready salted crisp. And I did say off air, don't expect me to describe the taste of ready salted crisp. <laughs> I won't be that condescending. 
so I similarly, my initial instinct was I wanted to go Walker's Cheese and Onion. But then on reflection, we were talking about this and I don't know the last time I saw Walker's in a pub in London. I haven't been in a pub where they haven't had like Pipers or Tyrrell or something like that in a really long time. And I actually would much rather a Walker's Crisp because I find these posh crisps again they're quite hard in your mouth do you know what i mean like you can eat a packet of them and feel a bit like your mouth's been ripped open yeah you've got a few cuts by the end yeah and i think in a in a day in the pub sometimes you just want like some nice soft walkers crisps i quite like you get the whole packet and you mash it with your fist so you've got a bag of crumbs and then you just scuffle the crumbs you just tip it in <laughs> yeah the whole yeah, bag. that's yeah, hundred percent. That's like the best way to do it. You have a little break when you tip off. Have a little <clears throat> crunch and a think. Um, yeah, completely agree with that. Completely agree with that. It's the only way to eat crisps, in my opinion. Oh, kind of on a crisp note, I realised the other day I can't remember the last time I had a crisp sandwich. <laughs> well, we were talking about it the other day because the advert came on where it was like crisp in or out. Oh, Subway. Yeah, and I said I've never seen you eat a crisp sandwich. Remember, yeah. he said no, I don't really. Do you know what? If you're going to do a crisp sandwich, it's got to be ready salted because otherwise it's just too much. Oh, I don't think I've had a crisp sandwich since I was about eight years old. <laughs> it was on Gogglebox the other day as well. They were like, "Oh, do you want a crisp sandwich?" And then she said, oh, do you want onions in it? He went, no, I I don't want onions. He said, what about salad cream? Yeah, put some salad cream in my crisp sandwich. Bread, salad cream and crisp. Yeah, what are you, PK? So, (laughs) (laughs) garlic bread. (laughs) There's just so much chewing in this podcast. And as as someone who hates hearing people chew, I just feel really guilty for inflicting this on others. Well... I'm hungry, so I don't really care. <laughs> On the crisp sandwich, doesn't someone we know... I could be, could be getting this wrong. <laughs> Didn't you used to like get a loaf of bread, hollow out the middle and fill it full of crisps? <laughs> oh, I've never heard that before. I mean, it's the sort of thing I can imagine. <laughs> I think I that was him. Fa- I can't fact check that. Though. I'm not sure. Okay, I have got a few facts about crisps. Oh, please. You, haven't, you, haven't, you also haven't told us what crisps you're oh, eating. Yeah, so we're so eating we, gentrified crisps. Yeah, so along that line of what I was saying earlier and then got distracted, we are eating Tyrrell's mature cheddar and chive. These Tyrrell's, I mean, they're pretty, as I said, posho crisps, essentially. They're from Herefordshire. They seem to be on the big English nationalist hype. They describe themselves as hand-cooked English crisps. They've got a great taste gold star. Yeah. 2018. They're very flavourful, is what I would say. And Remy's really chewing those there in the background of this. Yep, so I've got a couple of facts about crisps, just to kind of round off, or before we do some scoring. And Jimmy explains to us what it's like, the flavour profile of the Walker's Ready Salted Crisp. I know he's been (laughs) keen to do. Crisps, the earliest record we have of crisps is from William Kitchener's book, The Cook's Oracle, from 1817, which was a big seller in the UK and the US, apparently. And crisps were originally sold in sort of tins or they'd be in like big buckets basically in shops and a bit like you know like pick and mix then you'd go in there with a big Mm. shovel and like shovel your crisps out into your box or whatever Um, but that meant they didn't stay crisp obviously so in the 1920s people started getting wax bags and ironing the corners together and that's how you got your bag of crisps Uh, and a woman called laura scudder who was an entrepreneur somewhere in california uh, got her workers to do this and was i think she i don't quote me. According to one of the websites, so I can't remember which one now, it might just be Wikipedia, but apparently she was the first one to properly get a wax bag paper crisps going. And that obviously kept them fresh and allowed them to be a bit more mass produced or mass marketed. It's quite interesting. And is that, uh, you might not know, is the story true about how you got to the 
the crisp because some guy in a restaurant, I think it was in France. Yeah, he said he wanted it thinner. Thinner. Yeah, he kept I've sending his chips story. back because they weren't crispy enough. These chips came out and he's like, no, I want them crispier. So they kept chopping them thinner and thinner. And then they were like literally like slithers. And then that's how you end up with crisps. And but I've, that's like the rumor, the story I've heard, and obviously might be true. Yeah, so... I'd also heard that same story, so it's either true or a very good old wives' tale. Yeah, yeah. So this is apparently the Saratoga Springs legend, the worst of all. The yeah, legends, I, I couldn't remember what this, what it was called, but yeah, apparently the chef was a chap called George Crumb, and this happened in the late eighteen hundreds at the Moon's Lake House, eighteen fifty three. Sorry, not the late eighteen hundreds, eighteen fifty three. But yeah, supposedly. The, the legend was attributed to Saratoga Springs. And then apparently this became a popular myth because a version of it was popularised in 1973 because a paper manufacturer or a manufacturer of packaging who made packaging for crisps used it as part of their sort of advertising. So, Branding yeah, or advertising. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No one really knows if it's true. It might be bullshit. But regardless, our old friend William Kitchener had obviously already invented the recipe in 1817. I think actually one thing we probably haven't touched on, we probably should do this, and we, we missed it with the pork scratchings. What makes it good with beer? We'll do the crisps and the pork scratchings quickly now. So I think what makes pork scratchings good with beer, really, is the saltiness, and I think we'll probably come back to that a lot in this episode. That One, they're quite filling, I suppose, because of what they're made of and what they are. Like you said, if you're drinking lots of beer and washing it down with beer, then you can kind of handle that burst of flavour. If you're just sat there eating on their own, they become a bit much. But if you're kind of port scratching, whack a drink, port scratching, whack a drink, then it kind of dilutes it a bit, I suppose. Yeah. What, about you? what do you think? I guess to add to that, they're very dry. So they do well for being followed by a large mouthful of beer. So I guess that's kind of why they go hand in hand. Yeah, they're crispy. They're a bit salty. They're good, aren't they? But what I would say is actually, I think they probably do suffer from being too crispy. And actually maybe the crisp has the optimal level of crispiness because the crisp, unless you get, you know, one of those big gnarly posho crisps. And I think you missed this when you were getting a beer. Maya said that earlier. Yeah. That the, the beauty of a Walkers is, you know, you know what you're getting. You know, they they might be a bit soft and soggy, but yeah, they're not like these new crisps that you can also equally break your teeth on. Yeah, posho crisps. definitely. Um, they're the industrial lager of the snack world. The crisp. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think crisps are great. They they fill a hole because they're made of potato. There's something comforting about potato. I'm not... Can't go wrong. You, yeah, you literally can't go wrong with it, in my opinion. And it goes hand in hand with beer because beer is a comforting thing in itself as well, in, in my head. Do you know what? I'm not the biggest crisp fan. Like, if it was up to me, as you know, Remy, from living with me, my favourite crisps are hula hoops, which are just like the most cop-out crisp ever. <laughs> Because yeah, no, they're not. They're not pom bears. <laughs> I mean, I love pom bears as well. <laughs> Too fair, they're great. But yeah, so I'm not like the biggest crisp fan, but I think it's a home comfort. Yeah. Okay, then let's get the scores in for crisps. Jim, what are you saying for crisps? It's a toughie. Let's give crisps a good old. I'm going to go seven point five. I myself am going for a seven. Go ploughman's luck. Just for the record, I'm really excited for yeah, this. Yeah, we are excited for this. Plowman's uh, Lunch, Open Shores of Lancashire. Oh my god, it is like a little mini thing. So to be clear, we're having the Plowman's Lunch, Open Shores of oh, Lancashire. Oh, that cheese feels pack. very soft. Yeah, so earlier, Anna had one and was like, oh, it's not real cheddar. It's <laughs> fucking Dairy Lee. And I was like, 
They can't put like a block of cheddar in here. Oh, you could no. sit sweating on a pub for months. Is it Dairy Lee? <laughs> well, it's equivalent to Dairy Lee, isn't it? It's I mean, like... so it's shaped like a bag of crisps. But once you open the bag, you get a twin pack of cream crackers, which are a product of Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka. <laughs> you get a small triangle of processed cheese, which is a product of Austria. And you get a little clear bag of three very sweaty looking pickled onions, which are produce of Holland. And then a tiny little spook, spork thing. Yeah, spreader thing, which I can't tell which bit is the handle and which bit is the spreading bit. But yeah, that is the that is the contents. I think it's so I cool. mean, I'm excited. I haven't even opened mine yet, but I've been literally looking forward to this since we said we're going to do it. Jim, you're kind of the one who brought these up and we'd never heard of them. So give us a bit of context about how you're familiar with them. So I stumbled across these. I was in a cricket club in just outside of Manchester, obviously in Lancashire, and was having a pint of bitter. And I hadn't really had lunch, so I was like, oh, could do with a bag of crisps or something, like a, a pub snack. And kind of could see these behind the bar, had no idea what they were. And all I really saw was Plowman's Lunch and the kind of crisp-sized packet. And foolishly assumed I was getting some sort of... <laughs> Plowman style crisp. So I said, Oh, yeah, I'll have a packet of the Plowman's, please, and a, a pint of bitter. And then she gave me this packet. And even in the packet, you can't really tell what you're getting. And then I kind of went outside and then ended up sitting on a bench and opened it and was like, <laughs> I've just bought some crackers and some onions and the world's worst looking cheese. But was actually blown away. I mean, it's not the most nicest, tasty thing in the world. The silver skins are potent, I warn you. They are potently vinegary. I'm just I opened my, uh, my cheese with the little spreader. Earlier, when Anna tried a pack, because she'd never had them before either, she, I managed to get some um, vinegar juice in my eye, which was quite painful. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's very novel. I kind of think the down points are, one, it's, it's not meaty, which is probably one of the things we'll come back to a lot of, but... Also, the kind of there's a lot of effort involved. What you get out the other end of it, yeah, but it's very novel. You've got to open three different bits of packaging for what is essentially two crackers with some dairy lee and onion on. I think the portion of cheese to cracker is quite good, though. Yeah. My only confusion is why are there only three silver skin onions. Yeah, they they're a bit stingy on the onion. Okay, I've never had a pickled onion before in my life, so this is my first pickled onion. <laughs> this is going to be good. <laughs> oh no! Come on, put it yeah. in the cracker. Dick, I think you have to have all three at once. In I a do mouthful. like the the thought that's gone behind this product. Yeah, it, it's very English, isn't it? It's very English, <laughs> like, and I'd say, well, okay, it's very English. All the products are yeah. made outside <laughs> of England. <laughs> See, now I think, considering it's processed sweaty cheese, but is kept at room temperature for long periods of time, it actually has a fair amount of flavour to it. I think it's nicer Don't than get... Dairy Lee. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's not doesn't taste of butter or nothing, which you kind of expect. I think the fact that this has been in a bag... God, for God knows, God how, knows long. how long. In God knows what temperature. And temperature's varying as mm. well. I think it's a bit of a triumph. It's a triumph of modern mass-produced shit. Yeah, I thought you would be a bit of a convert. But, well and good sitting in the living room and doing it, if you were actually in the pub, surrounded by all our mates, <laughs> I'd feel like a bit of an idiot. <laughs> Spreading my... My cheese. I think there's something quite nice about the... I don't know. I'm finding it a bit of a wholesome experience. I don't really know why. I, I like it. I can... I like cheese. And do you know what? Pickled onions were nowhere near as bad as I thought they'd been. Mm. These aren't exactly a young person's snack. 
I think is what I'm getting at. Well, I you mean, know, once this, this a, goes a, out. Yeah, maybe these will be our sponsors. <laughs> Not a beer company. Open Shores of Lancashire. How much is a bag of Open Shores in a pub, Jim? Oh, I can't really remember. I think more expensive than a bag of crisps, mm. but we're still talking £1.30 or something. We're not, you know... I think we bought eight and that was £10. £10, something like that. So maybe it is more expensive. Mm. Or maybe that. it was eight ninety five. One of them was eight ninety five, but I can't remember if that was the scampi fries or <laughs> well, the... we spent a lot of money. Yeah, we bought a lot of snacks. <laughs> a lot of essentials. The one thing I will say, there's a lot of packaging. Yeah, a lot yeah. of plastic. Yeah. There's a lot of plastic involved in that. All of it, by the looks of things, is not recyclable. And also, it's come from all over the world. Yeah. Yeah, the carbon footprint's horrendous. Mm. These products have been shipped from every corner of the earth (laughs) to then be packaged in Lancashire. For the good people of Lancashire. It does, on their website, there's not masses of detail about this product from Openshaws, because they do do quite a wide range. But they describe this, the Ploughman's Lunch, as inspired by a bygone era. The Ploughman's Lunch snack pack can be enjoyed any time of day, at home, or on the move. On the move, whilst you're out for a run, (laughs) or a cycle. I really enjoyed it. Now you've kind of mentioned, and it's a very valid point, about the the climate impact. The packaging. Yeah, I am a bit now, I feel a bit sad. but... But I will caveat that to say... It's not great, but at the same time, I imagine they're not shipping many of these products. If I'm having one or two packs of these a year, yeah. it's not the worst thing I'm doing to kill the planet. Also, Open Shores, they might be doing other things to offset all this. We don't know. So, Jim, what are you saying about Open Shores of Lancashire's Plowman Lunch in a Bag? I think ever since I discovered it a couple of years ago, I still think it's a great novelty. And it's not just novelty. It is quite tasty. You know, it's a lot better than the sum of its part i think it's a decent little snack and i think you know if you're with people that haven't had it before they will be quite maybe not impressed maybe that's too strong a word but they'll be quite surprised the kind of the two caveats to that are one there's a bit of effort involved obviously like the first time i had it we couldn't we weren't on a table because we went back out to watch the cricket so i was sat on like the bench around the cricket so like balancing a pint like between my legs and they like trying to like spread like, the, you know, and then like the, the onions like rolling off onto the, the cricket green. So from that regards, it's a lot more effort than shoveling pork scratchings in your snods. And then the only other caveat is there is a lot of packaging there. You know, they're shipping it from every corner of the earth. But I still think great little snack. And because it's not the sort of thing I see, you see every day, if I saw it in a pub, I'd get it probably just for the novelty and just be like, yeah, it's, it's, it mixes nice. it up a bit. And what would you rate it out of 10? I'd give it an eight, and that's probably because I want to rate it higher than crisps, because I'd feel a bit harsh if I rated it the same as a bag of ready-salted crisps. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, fair. Maya, what about you? I mean, I love cheese and anything that involves cheese, so I did very, very much enjoy that. One thing I will say is the portion felt a tad stingy. I agree with that. Do you know what I mean? for, For a bag that big... One extra cracker, one extra onion... A bit, a bit more, more cheese, cheese. Yeah. yeah, and I think I'd feel slightly better about it. I think in regards to how it goes with beer, it's one of the only ones where I feel like it's not just there to make me thirsty, which I enjoy and I and I rate it for, but the onions do give you breath. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> You know you've eaten onions. Yeah, <laughs> you, um, you wouldn't want to eat that and then hit the dance floor and try and get off with a stranger. Do you know what I mean? Like, Well, the, the strangers wouldn't want you to. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't give a damn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do like it. I'm a bit struggling on how to rate it because 
I, I do feel that the portion's a bit stingy. And I do feel that, as we've mentioned, it's got a lot of packaging and it's been shipped from all over the world. So I think I'm going to have to give it a seven. Yeah, seven. Fine, fine, fine. Yeah, I like the novelty of it, definitely. Mm. In a weird way, I think the way the packet, because it looks a bit old-fashioned, is a little bit satisfying. Can't really explain why. Yeah, it's very traditional, isn't it? Yeah. And I did like it. And I think that was a good point Maya made about it, it not being a product that's actually going to make you really thirsty. It's not super salty, which is weird given that it's processed cheese and onions and yeah. other bits and bobs. I thought it was satisfying, but yeah, definitely the portion could be bigger. But I'm I'm going to rate it, oh, probably an eight as well. Okay, cool. Well, shall we have another beer then? Yes. So this next beer is, if you were in a pub... Um, and you saw this on, you it, it would pique your interest. You think, oh, do you know what? I really want to try that. It's not necessarily your go-to. But yeah, that's basically what we're going for here. So I'll start. I have gone for Vocation Hop Skip Juice Hazy Pale Ale. Cracking beer. Yeah, it's a great beer. It's actually, I didn't realise, I thought it was just Vocation, but it seems to be Vocation X Manchester Marble Brewery. And they now sell this in Tesco. And it's regularly on the kind of club card deal. I'd go for something like this because this is the type of thing that if I saw on and I was feeling a bit brave, I'd try it. Obviously, I'm still very hit and miss with ales, pale ales, IPAs. And I've been caught out now many a time by something that describes itself as juicy and it is not juicy. So yeah, this is probably the type of thing I'd see and I'd be like, do you know what, I'll have one of. And I would say that I'd then go on and have multiple because it's fucking delicious. Describes itself as a tropical pale ale with heavy doses of citrusy Simcoe and it comes in at a cool 5.7%. Oh wow, pretty heavy hitting. Yeah, I've really fucked myself over with the percentages here. Luckily we've got some salty snacks to, to bring you back down to ground. Soak it all up. Jim, what have you got, mate? I have got, and I need to get out of the fridge, um, a lovely couple of pints of Y Valley HPA, the uh, their pale ale, which is a gorgeous beer. And I must admit, I went to my local off-license yesterday, Bernie's, and he has a, always has a couple of taps on. I must admit, it was a bit of a, bit of a blessing during lockdown when you couldn't go and have a real proper mm. pint of beer. You know, it's one thing buying a bottle, but it's another getting a, a proper hand pull pint that he then seals up and you kind of re-pour yourself he had when i went and looked he had the hba he had a blonde local beer which i was umming and ahhing about and then he also had timmy taylor landlord which i swerved for some obvious reasons because i thought someone else might be drinking it or discussing it at the very least yeah, I'm quite excited to get tucked into the HPA. One thing I did realise, all my beers tonight are either gold medal winners or finalists to the gold medal on various beer awards over the last couple of years. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, the Curious Brew won the World Beer Awards 2019 for the United Kingdom, and it got gold. So that's pretty good. HPA was a fine, uh, was the 2017 finalist for Camera Champion Beer of Britain. Mm, I don't know if that's quite the same thing. It's still a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I think HPA is a great easy drinking beer. It's kind of, I think, a good definition of a pale ale. Yeah. Like a, a proper pale ale. Yeah, it's definitely. really tasty, really moorish, not too overbearing. So yeah, I'm quite excited to get a couple of pints under my belt. Lovely. I have gone for Black Sheep Brewery. Banged on about Shock. them before. Uh, but yeah. I like them. They have released a milk stout that's also won a couple of gold medals as well. It won 
gold at the International Brewing Awards in 2019 and at the World Beer Awards in 2019, UK winner. So this is the Milk Stout from Black Sheep. Describe itself as creamy, rich and dark. It's 4.4. I've never had it before. So I'm intrigued to see what it's like. I have been enjoying the odd stout lately, so keen to get a crack. I don't really want to go fully in depth into Black Sheep because I'll probably do an episode where we'll have to talk about them. They were founded in 1992 when Paul Thixton, I think, yeah, uh, when he left Thixton Brewery because they got bought out by a national brewer and they're still in Masham. Yeah, let's crack it open and see what's going on. Yeah. Cheers. Oh, that is delicious. I really, really rate this, you know, this hop skip juice. Oh, hello. I'd it's a good-looking can as well. Yeah, it's a pretty can. And do you know what? For me so far, I'd say it's second only to Electric Boogaloo. Which one? The Electric Boogaloo. That's, I thought there was another Tiny Rebel one you absolutely fell in love with. Yeah, that was Not the... the key, key Lime Lager? I mean, the Key Lime, key lime, lime Lager. Key Lime Lager was my favourite, but the Key Lime Lager was a lager. So that doesn't get involved in my beer discovery because I knew I liked okay. lager. And so far, I think it goes Electric Boogaloo. Hop skip juice, the cranbourne poacher. Because while I did very much enjoy the cranbourne poacher, it it was quite a lot. It's a heavy going beer. Yeah. Whereas the hop skip juice and the electric boogaloo, I could just drink loads of. I mean, we ordered forty electric boogaloo. I think I've got You've got quite a lot of it, Maya. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've got about twenty five left. They're piled. I don't particularly like it. It's a one man show. But yeah, no, I really I really rate this hop skip juice and I would definitely drink it if I saw it on. That looks like heavy work, Rem. How's that? Surprisingly light. Because mm. it's got, you know, it's a milk stout, so it's got like lactose to like... That lactic s- kind of... Sweet, sweeten, yeah, like sweetening up a little bit as well and like smoothing it out. It's quite coffee but not too much because of the lactose. You know what? It's, it's very nice. I definitely... I, like you said earlier, it's very different. One thing having it from a bottle, another thing having it on tap, uh, on cask. I'd love to see what this is like on like a hand pour or something. Can I try a little bit? Mm. It's got quite a good like smokiness to it as well. Let's see what the smokiness really is now it's been given to the... It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tastes like burnt coffee. Tastes like burnt fire. <laughs> <laughs> very smoky, very coffee very, very bitter on the back end. Now, Rem, you try the the fruity, juicy explosion of passion fruit in your face. It's not passion fruit, this one. Sorry, that was a... Was I'd a say guess. this one's more like orangey. Ju- it is juicy, obviously. I don't dislike it, but it's not really, like, setting my world alight. You've gone off at the ends of the spectrum there, to be fair. Yeah. The HPA, I imagine, is just quite delightful, isn't it, Jim? <sighs> yeah, it's very easy. The one... Thing I will say, it's all well and good saying getting something pulled on a hand pump, getting it fresh, but you, it ends up coming out very flat. Yeah. Now, someone said to me the other day that if you have a coffee frothers, you know, like the ones you just put in the milk, and just give it a 10 second, like a whiz, you will get the froth immediately. But I haven't got one of those, um, so I can't try it. <laughs> Nearly went and got a whisk out of the kitchen drawer. I thought, nope, that is too much whisking up a, a pint of beer. That's the sort of thing that they call an ambulance for, isn't it? <laughs> okay, so on with the snacks then. So on to Biltong. Ooh, what excellent. a snack this has become. I would say it's grown in popularity a lot over the past 10 years. Four, I yeah. think, as well, jerky was the dominant, like, cured meat snack. And I think Biltong's really taken it on, which is a good thing, because like, I think it's much better than jerky. I think there's no contest. No, no, definitely, definitely not. So we've got King's Biltong. I've gone Kruger. Oh, you've gone proper South African. But also, we've both gone supermarket Biltong. Yes. There's a yeah. lot of gourmet Biltong out there as well at the same time. Is yours spicy or have you gone original? I've gone original. Original. 
We've gone yeah. ribeye. Yeah. I cannot talk high enough for Biltong. <laughs> I've been banging the Biltong drum for years and almost feel like I'm single-handedly the man to thank for bringing it to the UK. <laughs> Obviously, that's complete bullshit. But... <laughs> I do think that, you know, I, I think it's great. I think jerky is terrible. <laughs> I don't, I've got no time for jerky. It's like comparing a ribeye steak and like some braising. One of those sandwich steaks you get from... Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like a one pound burger off a, a burger van. Mm. Like they both come from the same animal, but they're distinctly different products. Some of the best biltong I've ever had, and this is very middle class, is on the way into Twickenham. Those guys that sell... The biltong bags. The braai guys, or whatever they're called. Mm. Mm. That is incredible biltong. I love it, but it just gets so caught in your teeth. It's the best bit. It goes on forever. It goes on for ages. That That's a positive as far as I'm concerned. You're getting more for your money. What's quite good about it, if, I think as well, is it's not just like plain cured beef. Like no. There is a nice spice mix around it that's not necessarily spicy, but it's... It's salty. lovely flavoured, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's warming. Is something I'd say about biltong. It's quite satisfying. I've never been too experimental with flavours, though. I haven't got anything too wacky. I usually just go for original. Yeah, you don't break the formula. It mm. tastes good on its own. It doesn't need to have uh, extra flavourings. There's nothing here that can really beat for me the biltong as a bar snack because I think it ticks every box. It's very filling. It's meaty. It's salty. And it's full of flavour. What's good as well is as the snack... You know, itself, whilst it's a bit chewable, it's not sharp. So, again, it doesn't, like, destroy your mouth like some crisps and the pork scratchings can. But it can. does really, really get in your teeth. Like, I love biltong. I do not do not enjoy eating it outside of my home, where it's not acceptable for me to immediately floss. I know you've got kings. Now, obviously, kings do jerky, but they also do this salmon jerky and this vegan jerky. Have you tried that? We've had the vegan jerky. And what's that like? My issue with the vegan jerky is that the only one I've ever found is black, black bean, bean flavoured, so it's quite Ooh. spicy. And I kind of wish they'd found a way to replicate like a more... Normal. Yeah, like a more normal taste. But one thing I will say for it, the texture is very good. The texture is very good. And it does taste like <clears throat> black bean and spicy, but it just doesn't taste like jerky or biltong to me. But it's okay. It's not bad. I... I have not had the King's salmon jerky, but I have had salmon jerky before, and it is quite nice. But it is a lot more, well, it's not as easygoing. It doesn't suit every occasion like a built, like normal built on wood. Yes. Yeah. Shock horror. But that does mean, I mean, even I, I like fish, but it does slap you around the chops a bit more. Yeah. So I don't think it's kind of... It's not as good for every occasion, if that makes sense. I have got some facts about Biltong, actually, mm. to run through. As we know, South African came from a lot of the sort of northern European settlers who ended up there back in the day. Mostly as a way of curing the meat, obviously, for the winter. Normal survival technique type thing. It, originally, they used vinegar and saltpeter. So they, they get the beef, they put it in vinegar and saltpeter for a period of time. And actually, the acidity in the vinegar and the saltpeter killed bacteria that causes botulism and stuff to rot and things yeah, yeah clost- clostridium botulinum i think it's called but um yeah so i found that quite interesting so that's acidity is what killed the botulism bacteria which occurs a lot when people try to pickle things so it's quite dangerous to pickle like chilies or whatever in your own home and because if you don't get the acidity correct you can give yourself botulism I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, it's but if you get the recipe on point and i i believe there is a certain ph level that's well publicised by like the World Health Organisation or whatever. So You'd hope so. Why yes. would anyone be keeping that a secret? 
Yeah. <laughs> so if you go below whatever it is, then then you're fine. Interestingly, whilst the United Kingdom was still in the EU, we couldn't actually import biltong from South Africa. It had to be made here because something to do with the rules of, you know, the EU's got quite tight rules on food, in- food imports. So that's quite interesting. Do you think that maybe biltong's taken off as well because it's, it's ridden like the gym protein wave? So even when people are in like the pub, there's been this like movement I've noticed past sort of five years that even snacks have to be protein. I don't think it's just the pub. I think you're absolutely right that, I mean, we'll talk about this later, but the branding on some of the other products we're going to have is high in protein, high in protein. Now, Biltong obviously is, my mind says on the front, high in protein, low in calories, basically. I think you are absolutely right. It's it's seen as a kind of a healthy alternative. I'm not saying it is a healthy alternative. I mean, I remember I bought off, I don't know if it was Bulk Powders or one of the generic supplement websites years ago. I was on there looking at their kind of, they had a food section and you could get a kilo bag of biltong for 20 quid or something. And I got it. I'd have it in my drawer at work and it lasted about a week. You know, it was my, whenever I was just snacking on it throughout the day. It's not the best biltong I'd ever had in the world, but it was absolutely fine. Well, yeah, like this King's biltong that we have, to me, the marketing of this says like health food. In giant things on the front, it says gluten-free, high in protein. And even the their kind of logo is King's and then it's got the little Union Jack crown and it says Supreme Protein next to it. And like, if you look at the packaging of some of the other products that we have, and obviously it's a bit difficult because like for things like the nuts, we just sort of have like the supermarket own brand. But if you look at the Mr. Porky's, if you look at the Scampi fries, to me, this definitely looks the healthiest. If you were to line them all up and say which of these is the healthiest, I would pick this. Shall we round off and build on? Round off and build on, Jim. I don't think anything really can beat built on for me. I think it's great for me. It's the go-to because. I think I'm yet to go somewhere and have bad biltong, if you know what I mean. You might get average mm. biltong, but I've, I don't think I've ever had, I don't think I've ever kind of gone, ooh, that's not, I haven't liked that or I haven't kind of enjoyed that. So it's a, it's a 10 out of 10 for me. Oh, come on. Maya, what about you? I'm a bit torn. <laughs> okay, Natalie. <laughs> that's the floss. Yeah, it hurts my teeth. I've got to be really honest here. It hurts my teeth. I don't I don't enjoy I really like the taste of biltong but I don't enjoy like the aftermath and if I was in a pub I wouldn't want to eat a load of biltong because I wouldn't want to be flossing or like attempting to pick it out do you know what I mean and it's just you just gotta ride the wave yeah it's not for me I'm very sensitive to things being in my teeth also like I'm not the biggest fan of like just purely meat snacks like if I was to pick a snack that's not that probably wouldn't be my go-to, but that is very much personal preference. There's no judging here, Ma. Don't worry. You can say what you think. <laughs> but I do like it. I just, you know, the stories you guys are saying about just getting bag after bag of biltong, I don't, I definitely don't think I could do that. No, that and that's that's fair enough as well. So I think I'm going to go for an eight. Oh, well, that's, that's higher than I thought it was going to be after your... I think you've made a good point as well, because it is quite an intense flavour. I know we've kind yeah. of said it has a bit of spiciness to it, but... Ultimately, the underlying flavour here is meat. Yeah. And if you're not a big meat eater or you're not that bothered by it, then there's not a lot else for you to eat. I think the thing for me, the reason why it's an eight, I love the taste of biltong and I do enjoy it, but I couldn't eat it in any scenario. I couldn't go into any pub on any day at any time and think, do you know what? I could do a bag of biltong, but there is a snack here that I feel that way about. 
So I'm going to go an eight because I do like it and I do think that it's better than crisps. Yeah. And also, I think you get more bang for your buck than you do with the Plowmans. What about you, Rem? I'm going to sit at a nine. I really like the stuff. I think it's great. I definitely agree it's much better than jerky. Jerky is terrible. I like it. I like like the warming sensation of the spices. I think they're nice. As I've mentioned before, it's it's nice that this it doesn't ruin your mouth. Yeah. And also, my real vice is processed meat products. <laughs> We're all friends here, Rem. I know. I know that pain. <laughs> and it's very much obviously within that realm. It's actually on one of the healthier ends of that realm. In all fairness, compared to some of the the things people do with pork. But yeah, I, I really like this stuff. Big fan of it. I'm, I'm giving it a nine. Okay then, so on to the next snack. Scampi fries. Scampi fries. Scampi fries to me are god-tier snack. They are the best snack. And I'll tell you for why. The texture. They're crunchy, Mm. but they're not a level of crunchy that's going to hurt your teeth. There is so much flavouring on each one. You know, sometimes when you eat crisps and you're like, oh, that one didn't have much flavour on. I've never had a scampi fry and thought that one didn't have much flavour on. They're mm-hmm. all flavorful. They've got a really distinct taste. There isn't anything I would say that tastes like them. And I think what makes them so great is that they are very hard to get hold of out of the pub. It makes them a treat. Yeah. 100%. I 100% agree with that. I never see scampi fries outside the pub. I see them. I think, yes, get me a bag of scampi fries. They do sit in the generically salty category. Like they're but they're tangy, bigger. though. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I dread to think how much salt is in them. To be fair, not as much as the pork scratching. Not as yeah, that's not saying a lot, Mike. <laughs> I, I thought the same thing, and I was like, yeah, what are you comparing that to? The biltong's got more salt. What per gram? Yeah, per hundred grams, a scampi fry has two point eight six grams of salt. Per hundred grams, the biltong has six point seven five grams of salt. That's the uh, saltiest one. Yeah, no, I, I actually think they're really tasty, and I think you've you've made a good point about the fact that you don't regularly see them in the supermarket on the shelves. Means they do make them a bit of a treat and a bit special. So, Jim, you you actually quite like them, and they're not necessarily intensely tasting like scampi, but there's a hint of them. And I know you don't really eat fish or anything that comes out of the sea, and you no. you you quite like these. Yeah, for me, they are that tanginess. I can't really taste the lemon. I can smell the lemon. Like, if you gave the, them to me in a bowl and said, what flavour are these? There's no way I'd be saying, oh, yeah. Is that scampi? Deep fried is the flavour I'd describe them as. Mm. I really love scampi fries. I genuinely do. I love these as a snack. My only issue with them is actually I can't do more than one pack because the salty and the tanginess is so intense. Actually, my mouth tends to feel a bit sore. Yeah. I just think scampi fries, they do have a very unique flavour. Like, I've never tasted a crisp or another snack that tastes like them. And I actually like the size of the pack because, like we mentioned, they're so flavoursome. I wouldn't want to eat any more than that. They probably don't fulfil the beer snack in the sense of they're not really going to placate your hunger. Do you know what I mean? If you're starving... If you're really hungry, you wouldn't go for a scampi fry. If you're starving, you'd have a meal. It's very rare to go into a pub that isn't in some way serving food. Like, I think back to when we were kids, and it was rare, really, for pubs to be serving food. Like, it wasn't the same as it is now, where every pub serves food. So, when we were kids, we probably did eat more crisps, pork scratching, scampi fries, shit like that. Because we couldn't be like, I'm hungry, can I have a bowl of chips? Whereas now, you can do that. So, if you were hungry, I would 
probably do that. In terms of facts, it was actually quite low on the ground on this. I can just tell you that Smith's Snack Foods, according to Wikipedia, originated in 1920, but according to snackhistory.com, was 1927. They're owned by Walkers now, and there's no real, there wasn't really a lot of information about their background. So let's get on to the ratings. Maya, what are you giving Scampi Fries? I'm going to go for a 9.5. I think the only thing that lets a Scampi Fry down as a pub snack, it's not going to fill you up. But flavour, texture, the novelty of it, you know, we talked about novelty with the Plowmans, which I know it doesn't have that level of novelty, but you can't get them. You, yeah, you're not going to get it in yeah. the shop regularly. Yeah. yeah, so that element of it. I really like the packaging. Like, it sort of reminds me of being a kid. It's a bit traditional, isn't it's it? Ve- yeah, it's very yeah. traditional. It reminds me of, like, proper pubs. So, yeah, I'm going to go 9.5. Jim, what about you, mate? I'm probably going to give it an 8. I'm still not sure where I sit with regards to whether I prefer scampi fries or bacon fries. But I think you're right in the terms of there's ma- like it's really a massive slap in the face flavor wise. Like each one is really potent, great texture to it, good bit of crunch. <sighs> Can't believe we're now reviewing beer snacks. This is what's <laughs> happened. I'm literally like reviewing crisps. <laughs> Tell me about the flavor profile. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think if it came down to you know bag of Walker's crisps or any crisps or scampi fries, you'd go for the scampi fries, but I'd caveat that. Would I be looking at it thinking, mm, you're getting half the amount of crisps? Mm. Would, or would I just go, can I have two bags of scampi fries, please? <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the light. That's probably the reality. And what about you? Oh, you know, I do really like them. I do. I think probably 8.5 for me. Because sometimes they can just be a bit much for me. Because I'm mm. a bit of a delicate wallflower myself sometimes. But in terms of a pub snack, novelty, great. I mean, basically, you've said it all. I don't want to bore everyone. But they they are... It's the crunch as well. They've got mm. quite an addictive crunch. Because uh, they are that like hollow pocket. So, yeah. Love them. 8.5. Big fan. Okay. So, last beer that we are going to be drinking is your classic go-to favorite you know you see it in the pub you want to drink it so i've kind of bent the rules a little bit and i've gone for cider of course you have yeah first time i felt like i've been able to wangle it in but cider is my tipple of choice in nearly every situation much to remy's disdain but do you know what one thing i will say could drink it better than i could drink beer so i have gone for the aspel's premier crew which sits at a lovely 6.8 percent oh tasty is that <laughs> so, the big bottled one yeah i actually looked at that in the supermarket over there and i thought it's a sexy looking bottle of beer or cider and do you know what it's the one cider that remy says is all right so funny that the grand crew the the king of kings in the cider world, he, he signs off on it. I suppose if you had to drink it, it'd be all right. So some facts about Aspel's because I'm so well... Informed. It's just, that's what I bring to this podcast. I bring the, the knowledge. So just to just spread that a bit more. Aspel is a cidery that is located in Aspel Hall in the village of Aspel. It was established in 1728. It was actually started by the, excuse my French... Chevalier, yeah, I'm, Chevalier oh, yeah. family, who were originally from Jersey, and they bought Aspel Hall in Suffolk, and they brought over the apple trees from Jersey that then started 
basically Aspel's and the cider production. And it was family owned and independent until 2018 when it was bought by Molson Coors, which ended 290 years of independently owned manufacturing. So this one that I'm drinking today is the Premier Crew, but I'm going to be honest, I like anything Aspel's make. They're probably my favourite cider and they're pretty readily available now. You know, long gone are the days of Strongbow and Thatcher's Gold being the only ones available. You can usually get Aspel's on... Such a shame. On um, on tap in most places. But yeah, this is the Premier Crew, which describes itself as a sophisticated sparkling cider with a light floral aroma and a long dry finish, 6.8%. Interesting. Uh, Jim, what have you got, mate? I've gone the opposite of what Maya went for, which is beer. Uh, <laughs> White I've gone, Yeah, I've gone Beaver Town Neck Oil Session IPA, ah. which is kind of my go-to classic we're not classic but my go-to fruity crafty beer that's regularly on draft but isn't ridiculously potently silly flavoring Mm. i know we're not all big beaver town fans here no one will name names i'll just glare at them over the (laughs) webcam and i don't like everything they do but i think neck oil is a pretty decent session beer one thing i will say i think they call it a session ipa i think that's a bit of a stretch you know what what makes it in your pale ale? It's, it's a, you call it a pale ale, it's fine. It's ultra pale. It's also, I didn't realise it's 4.3%, which I said I didn't realise I'd forgotten. I thought it was like a 3.7. I thought it really was quite sessionable. It's a beer I can quite happily get stuck into all day. And I remember being in the pub with someone getting a pint of it and someone saying to me, that has got to be the best name. And he wasn't like he'd never heard it before. He just kind of commented and said, that it's the best name for a beer in all the world. Neck oil. <laughs> also, all their marketing and stuff's quite cool. If one of the big boys came over and offered you millions of pounds to your brewery, you'd sell it. Yeah. He wouldn't even have to be a big boy, Rem. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd be happy with a little boy. Yeah. <laughs> what are you drinking for a change? I am drinking uh, Go-To, the Go-To of mine, because you can find it in most places, and it's usually quite depend it's usually quite dependable it's timothy taylor's landlord i don't know if i've mentioned that before <laughs> never um, heard of it never heard of it yeah i can't quite believe myself i had seven last night but here we are i had it round two round two with 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 landlord yeah it's nice it's lovely it's a little bit bitter it's a bit summery i'm a big fan of it i don't want to bang on about it for too long but it's first from 1952 landlord was released so it's it's been knocking out oh, for a while. It's getting on a bit. Yeah, it's getting on a bit. Um, and I didn't realise this. I was doing a bit of wider reading about it. At the time, Timothy Taylor released it. They didn't know what to call it. And so they had a competition. And whoever won the competition, so everyone would put their names in and whatever was the best name, they'd win 500 quid, which in the 50s was... Shitload of money. Pretty big bucks to be... Someone from the Keithley Drill Hall Club won the £500 prize by suggesting the name Landlord. It's a hell of a badger, in my opinion. It's actually won... Cameras Draft Supreme Champion Beer of Britain four times. And I believe it's the only beer in Britain to ever hold the Camera Champion Beer of Britain and the Brewing Industry International Awards Supreme Champion simultaneously, which it held from 1999 to 2000. I must admit, I'm not like you. I, ha- I haven't got battered on it many a time. You know, I can, I can probably count the number of times I've got really hammered on Landlord on one hand, but two or three pints of it, I, it's very Moorish. It's very easy drinking, and it just slips away p- quite easily. Slips down the old throat, does it, Jim? Mm, mm. I was doing a Maya innuendo there. Yeah. <laughs> In your endo. Yeah. yeah. Great beer. Great beer. Just, but 
that's all well and good. We're enjoying the beers. But we've Speaking got... of th- things that don't dominate. <laughs> but we've got a snack to try. And that is the Pepper Army Fire Stick. Not the Pepper Army Normal. Not the Pepper Army Hot. Not the other Pepper Army flavour I can't remember. But the Fire Stick. The Top Dog. The hottest badger in town. The Alpha Predator. The, <laughs> yeah. the Apex Male. I have never had a Pepper Army Fire Stick. So even though we had 30 or whatever delivered... Remy wouldn't let me try it before this because he wanted it to be caught. That's the best thing he's ever done. Do you like hot and spicy things or not? I hate spicy food. Excellent. Do you not remember James's curry? In oh, yeah. Fucking... <laughs> in... I've never seen someone make such a fuss. Where? <laughs> <laughs> I could barely fucking swallow it. So I also... Said <laughs> the actress, the bishop. <laughs> Rem, take her drink. I also hate pepperoni. Oh, well, you won't taste pepperoni, just fire. It feels... This is this is an innuendo that I'm not meaning to say, but it feels so hot. Mm, firm. That's the it, It's very tightly packed. What I like is you when you unveil <laughs> the pepperoni. Yeah. You pull back the sheath. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you then you hear it is, and it's it's sort of second layer. It's it, it's quite underwhelming, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not just eating the fire stick here. It's fire stick tied in with some mini cheddars, but we'll yeah. come on to that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. But let's, so let's all unveil. Let's have a good re- chunk. Realistically, how spicy is this? It's actually not that bad. Anna had never had one yesterday. Chopped a little slither off, and then chopped it in half, and she nearly spat it out. <laughs> but. I will sit here and gobble them up like nobody's business. Okay. Here. The, do you know what I like as well? The smell is making the me smell. sick. Yeah. So it's so potent. Like and also... when you've when you've got a table of guys or, <laughs> and everyone's got a fire stick, they're all being opened at the same time, and it's so potent. It's like a it's like a haze. <laughs> I hate. Everyone's eyes start watering. You're like, oh. Right, go on then. Cheers. Go on, Maya. Take a proper bite. Come on. A bit more than that. Hmm. Nice and firm, chewable. Right, it's spicy. There's a bit of spice. (gasps) Hits the back of the throat. It doesn't last, though. It doesn't last. Yeah. Oh, that is really spicy. It's a fire stick. I like... Does beer make it better or worse? Does anyone want to find out? That is fucking hot. (laughs) That should be their new tagline. (laughs) (laughs) I really like the texture of them. I did really enjoy your description of this as the apex predator of yeah. <laughs> the pop snack world. No one would beat it in a fight. Yeah. This is the top dog in town. I mean, I've eaten my first one. Yeah. Are you joking? Started. No. Oh, they are good. I'm going to get a glass of milk. Okay. Glass of milk? <laughs> We're only just getting started. What is quite fun as well is the way it does build. The thing is... I don't particularly like spicy food that much, but something like this that I know is not going to last that long, I think it's the perfect amount of spice because it really is a real punch in the mouth. I'm only speaking for myself here. It's only going to last a minute or so, and that's kind of as long enough. I hate these kind of foods that linger for ages. They're spicy for ages and ages and ages, whereas that... Mm. This is still just... spicy. Yeah, but you haven't even finished it yet. I'm not eating any more of that. Well, you're going to have to have it with a mini cheddar. I hate mini cheddars. So just, just... It works, trust me. It's it definitely like works. Star. It definitely works. You mentioned the kind of the healthiness of it. Pepperami now, call this a protein kick on yeah. the packaging and yeah. say... It... My mouth is on fire. <laughs> it does also have a large stamp saying 100% pork on it. But that's because it never used to be. Yeah, exactly. They, 
it was a mix of pork and beef, whereas now they've gone pure pork. They have which, a pure beef one, don't they, as well? They do a pepperoni kind of jerky, which I've had. And I had the other day chicken bites, which are almost like refrigerators kind Ooh, of... Ooh, love a refrigerator. They were quite nice as well. And again, they were all right. over high in protein. Do I have to eat any more of this sausage? Because if I do, I want to get it over and done with now. Okay, yeah, open a bag so of mini cheddars. I have there. You'll need to. So... Jim, you might actually have to help me here a little bit because I can't, for the life of me, remember who started this. But pretty sure it happened in a in a pub in in Rochester because who'd have thought it? Yeah. And yeah. some genius realised that if you just nibbled off a little bit of pepperoni and you made a sandwich between the so the, the fire stick being the filling, oh more than that, don't be a no. pussy. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. It's your very own version of the, the Lunchable. Yeah, 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 exactly. 100% like a Lunchable. You get a good wedge of pepperoni fire stick and you put it between too many cheddars. It does work. Mm, like the... it, it dulls the, the heat a bit. Yeah. But yeah. really brings out the mini cheddar flavour. It, it really is bigger than the sum of its parts. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It is a lot less spicy with the mini cheddars. It really takes the edge off, doesn't it? But I do now have heartburn. That's the least of your worries. <laughs> We've got two pepperonis each to eat. I cannot believe I'm watching you guys eat the the quantity of the fucking fire stick. It's the as as well. <laughs> God, it's horrible. If you are from the Medway towns and believe that you invented the mini cheddar pepperoni fire stick combination, please do let us know so that we can give you the credit that you deserve. I must admit, I'm I'm now two fire sticks in. I am starting to feel the heat slightly. <laughs> I don't know about you, Rem. I'm starting to feel it. Not in a bad way, but I'm, you know, the heat is is, is now sticking around. It, it's it's like, it's coated the mouth now. Mm. It's not in isolated areas. There's, it's, there's, nowhere le- there's nowhere left to hide. Yeah, and you know when it goes halfway to the back of your tongue? It's no longer at the yeah. tip. It's Yeah, it's, it's spread. Yeah. but I, I mean, I felt like that from the first bite. Literally, I can still feel it all around my tongue. And after the second bite, it was all up the back of my nose. (laughs) (laughs) But I do also really enjoy just the general mouthfeel of of the mixture of the the Mm. sausage and the the cheddars. Yeah, I think it's great. But is that subjective? Because we we associate it with sitting in the pub with all our mates, watching rugby, Mm. getting absolutely hammered, and then scoffing fire sticks <laughs> and mini cheddars how many sh- fire sticks were you guys eating how could you eat more than one of these so i mean we would regularly eat the bar out of fire sticks <laughs> if there was eight of us in there the 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 barman or the landlord would have to come over and be like guys there's no fire sticks left. i'm so sorry <laughs> i didn't realize you were coming in today i didn't buy any in advance like and that sounds like a wind up but that is genuinely true <laughs> that if there was say 10 or 12 of us we would go through 40 or 50 of the things okay should we get on to ratings mm-hmm. jimmy i'm kind of a bit split because i'm comparing it to the biltong and it ticks a lot of boxes for me and one of the boxes it ticks more of is the novelty of it because there really is a novelty to not only that you can't get everywhere but even the novelty of i love giving it to someone who hasn't had a fire stick before like you've had and not necessarily watching them suffer but just the kind of reaction of oh my god that's so hot kind of thing that there is a kind of a a childish glee to that (laughs) but then i still think if you said look you can either have one file stick or one bag of biltong it's probably going to be the biltong just for volume and kind of what about 
one biltong or one fire stick mini cheddar combination? It's probably still going to be the biltong. I'm going to give it a nine and a half out of ten. Okay, Maya, what about you? Two. Oh. Could you explain that for us? I don't particularly like pepperami anyway. It's not a snack that I would ever go for. And if I was going to go for a meat snack, I'd go for biltong first and then the pork scratchings if we're looking at the things that are in front of us. To me, it fulfills nothing for me. So it's too fucking spicy, (laughs) firstly. And then secondly, it's also like not that filling. So if I'm looking at the snacks that aren't that filling, I'm looking at the scampi fries. I'd rather the taste of the scampi fries than the taste of the pepperoni fire stick. But I also think I'd rather that than a normal pepperoni also. I just don't really think it's for me. But I really love your guys' enthusiasm for it and your enthusiasm for the combination of the stick and the cheddar. So love that. But it's just a hard pass from me if it makes any difference now this is a a, a bog standard size pepperami they do do a pepperami wide boy (laughs) which is a slightly bigger model now that might tickle your boxes Maya (laughs) I don't know the grammage if you're worried about kind of intake and the amount of protein you're getting out of your snacks maybe you need to look at a wide boy in the future and away from Remy I actually haven't seen a wide boy for a while. I've never seen a pepperoni fire stick wide boy. I've only ever seen the green. He's a chunky monkey. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like eating a chorizo. (laughs) (laughs) When I was at university, if I had like a big assignment to do or something, I would just buy a chorizo or like a French sausage. And I would just so you every other student every other student in England's like, yeah, I had like six cans of Red Bull and some Pro Plus. You're like, I had a chorizo and some brie. It kept me going all night. <laughs> okay, cool. What's your rating? My rating for this magnificent sausage. Yeah, um, yeah. obviously it's not the best sausage I've ever had in my life. Is it the best quality? No. I do really like the texture. <laughs> I like the firmness of it. <laughs> I like the spice. And the combination with the mini cheddars is inspired. I think I'm giving this... Oh, it is hard because I do also very much like the biltong. I mean, I'm, I think it's going to have to be my top snack. I think, Jimmy, you explained it very well when you, as I said, described it as the apex predator. It's it's the king of the jungle. Yeah. And I'm not sure you'd want it every time. I think biltong actually is a lot more manageable. It can adapt a lot better. But just for the pure out and out, I'm, I'm giving the fire stick a, 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 t- a 10. Right, so on to the last snack, which are nuts. Nuts. <laughs> We're, we're using peanuts because they seem to be the most common place, and I said the most generic. I personally am not a big fan of peanuts. It's the man who eats more peanut butter than anyone I've ever known. I like peanut butter. I don't like peanut texture issue, though, with peanuts. If you peanuts. chew them in your mouth for long enough, it's peanut butter. That is true. I don't think that's how it works, I'll be honest. Literally. Oh, peanut butter. Peanut butter has external oils put into it. Are those oils present in your mouth? All I'm hearing is the term penis butter. <laughs> Would you like some penis butter? Right, yeah, so peanuts. Who wants to start on peanuts? I quite like peanuts. I feel like they've got a lot of hate from the two of you. They're just so average. I think they're average, unfortunately. I think they're dying a death. Yeah, I mean, I think they are dying a death. I rarely see them in pubs anymore. It's all crisps. And if I was going into a pub and it was a choice between peanuts and scampi fries, I'd pick scampi fries. Do you see very often these days, you know, the Sahara machines? 
which coated okay. the peanuts. The heated, kind of coated. God knows how long <laughs> those nuts have sat in there. And also, does is that machine on 24-7? Or when the bar staff go home, do they turn it off and they, they cool down and then you, they come mm. in at, in the morning and they warm it up again? That can't be good for the nut or the the consumer of the nut, shall we say. I mean, I think nuts really have only got themselves to blame. Because <laughs> everyone's allergic to them. People these days are too scared to stock them in case someone has an anaphylactic fit or whatever it is. Nuts need to get their fucking act together because, you know, crisps don't do that to people. I mean, I wouldn't pick a nut. It wouldn't be my choice. But if someone puts them out... They tick the box of salty snacks. You don't need a lot of nuts if you're having a drink. You only really want like a handful, basically. Any more than that, and you start kind of gasping. Mm. But yeah, they go really well with a beer because they just make you more thirsty. Yeah, and the, they kind of got that weird, like they do coat your mouth in a bit of a weird way, I find. Yeah. What does horrify me now, though, is say five, probably closer to eight years ago, you'd go to a pub and there would be communal ramekins oh, of nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See? I don't remember this at all. Like, I remember seeing this on American TV shows and films and stuff. On the bars. On the bar and the nuts. And I don't remember that in any pub or bar I've ever been to. Okay, so, I I mean, do we need to say anything more about bloody nuts? We need to rate them. Yeah, on to the ratings then. Maya, tell me you rate rate these nuts. (laughs) Five. Jim, what about you, mate? I'm going to go... Six. So you'd you'd still go nuts over pork scratchings? Yeah. Even because, after everything you've said? Yeah, because pork scratchings, one or two of them, I don't mind. A whole bag of pork scratchings by the end that I'm a bit revolted by. Whereas, no, you know, the humble nut, I'm not allergic, so I scoff them. Okay. And your 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 views, Rem? Uh, I'm going to give it a six. So it's the same as a scratching for me. Because of the volume you can eat them and the job they do, fair enough. Mm-hmm. And I think they definitely win points on that. But I do also, the couple of pork scratchings I have, I really enjoy them. So they're both getting sick. So how about now we just do everyone puts their top three? That's quite an easy one for me. But yeah, go for it. Of what we have consumed today, I would go number one, scampi fries. Number two, biltong. And then I've actually got a split third. I've got a joint third. What's that, fire stick and... <laughs> and mini cheddars. Yeah. <laughs> but together. <laughs> I'm going to go joint third. I'm going to go crisps and the ploughman's lunch in a bag. Just because crisps, obviously, you can get anywhere. And the ploughman's, I've literally never seen anywhere. So I don't want to put it as like yeah, this is the best one because you can't fucking buy it anywhere. So yeah, that's me. Scampi fries, biltong, then joint crisps and ploughman's. What about you, Jimmy? Biltong number one for me, the unbeatable pub snack. Then it's going to be the fire stick, slightly for the novelty. I do genuinely really like the taste and the flavour. And then I'm probably going to go ploughman's lunch as number three. And that's really more for the novelty than anything else. Scampi fries are up there and are pretty good. I'd rather see a bag of Ploughman's Lunch on the bar top and kind of have those just to kind of show other people and be like, oh, look at these weird little things <laughs> than a bag of scampi fries. Yeah, fair enough. What about you, Remy? So at the top is the fire stick for the sheer drama. Then I'm going to go to Biltong. 
because it's reliable. It's a processed meat product, not as processed. And then in third, uh, I've got a joint third. Actually, it's Scampi Fries and the Plowman's. I was very excited for the Plowman's. And whilst the portion size wasn't huge, I don't feel underwhelmed. So yeah, those, those are kind of my top three. Thanks very much for listening to our ramblings all about bar snacks we hope you enjoyed this episode if you did please make sure to like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts it helps us out a lot and if you want to hear more from us please give us a follow over on instagram our handle is at lagertops podcast and we look forward to seeing you there thank you so much for listening and see you next time bye 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 don't forget to try a fire stick with some mini cheddar